Hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the first full episode of the I'm Fucking Hot podcast. I'm really excited for you to listen to my conversation with Grayson today, who is one of my best friends. He's an actor, and he also happens to be the writer and the performer or the singer of the, the theme song of the I'm Fucking Hot theme song. Um, yeah, in this episode, we're going to get into size-inclusive fashion, the problematic and archaic body standards actors face, the normalization of disordered eating within the theater community, breaking down the rules and limitations we've placed on ourselves, whether it be subconsciously or consciously, when it comes to success and love because of our bodies, and white crocs amongst amongst other things. I mean, listen, I do think white crocs are making a comeback, but I would love to hear your opinions. And it does not have to be white crocs specifically, like just crocs in general. Um, I would love to hear what you think about that. And like gibbets, gibbets are it. Okay. I don't want to, I don't mean to like keep talking about, keep talking about Crocs. Also, like I am so conscious of my podcast voice right now. It's, it's kind of like when you're talking or um, ordering food and your voice just because I'm so high. I'm just going to lower it. Okay. We're lowering it. Um, I don't want to keep talking about my voice. Anyways. Hello. <laughs> um, also, on a serious note, I want to point out that a round around the 30 minute mark, um, somewhere in there, we do discuss a certain restrictive diet. Um, so if you, if you think that that might be triggering to you in any way, I would recommend skipping that part. I will put a trigger warning in the show notes and I'll give the exact breakdown of, of times of the time that it's at. So where to stop listening and where to pick back up again. Um, yeah, so just I wanted to give that little warning. We don't we don't um condone this diet by any means. In fact, we're talking about how toxic um it is, but I did want to just point that out in case that's something that um might be a sensitive topic to you. So, yeah. Also, before we hop into the episode, I just want to give my standard disclaimer and say that I am not a doctor, a therapist, or a dietitian, and the things said on this episode are not a replacement for or claiming to be professional medical health advice. So with all of that, welcome. I'm glad that you're here and that you're listening to this episode that I had with Grayson. I think this conversation we had is is really great. I, I enjoyed it and I enjoy, you know, every conversation I have with Grayson, but I think that this one is really special. And if you want to follow along, you can find me on Instagram at I'm fucking hot podcast. And also, if you want to stay up to date with episodes, click subscribe and new episodes will be coming out on Mondays. So I think that's it. And without any further ado, here is my episode with Grayson. Enjoy y'all. I'll show you what I got 
jump right into it and, and start us it. off with the first prompt. Okay. I don't really know what I'm doing, but we're just going to, you well, know what I, think I mean? This is, no, I think a prompt's a great way to just like start the convo flow. Oh, I heard a, bar- a dog bark. Yeah, that's my dog. That's my dog. Cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Grayson, <clears throat> first of all, you're fucking hot. Thank you. Is this the name of the podcast? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Did I not tell you that? No, I saw it in the thing when you emailed me, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a fun little thing to put as, like, just something. But I didn't know that it was reclaiming the the word hot. Paris Hilton um, coined it, and we're reclaiming it. Reclaiming it. Because Paris Paris Hilton coined it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's hot. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But now we're taking it back. But when Paris Hilton coined it, and this is the whole problem, is when you think of Paris Hilton coining it, you think of blonde, skinny, hot Paris Hilton. Not Not all the spectrum of hotness that is... Mm -hmm. Inclusivity. That that is inclusivity. It's true. It's true. Thank you. It's antiquated. It's like so many things. Like so many things in this world we live in. Yes. Um. So I already know, I I want you to tell our listeners, Grayson. We're gonna mm-hmm. jump right into it. Um, sure. What was your relationship with your body growing oh. up? Oh, what a what a wild ride! So I um was man. I mean, how do you get into it? It was not a great relationship when I was mm-hmm. growing up, and um, I think when I was very young, I was taught by the people in my home, the people at my school, and most people in my life that my body shouldn't be seen and that that I need to hide it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think at that age, you don't think, oh, this makes me sad. It just is like a rule and it's Mm -hmm. written in your head to me. It was written in my head. And like at that age, it just kind of got me going with like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to, this is how I have to move through the world, um, hiding my body, which was difficult. I was always really tall, still really tall. Um, Were you the tallest kid in your class? Always, always. Yes. Um, And people would comment on my size, not only my tallness, but um, my body. I was always uh, a little bit bigger than everybody else. And I was constantly commented on, not always ridiculed, but that was by kids at school. Yeah, by kids at school. Yeah, by doctors or by doc. Every yeah, I mean, it was always like, oh, yeah. Do you think because sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, no, no. But do you think because you were a kid, people felt like they had, uh more free range to comment on your body versus being an adult? Or do you still feel like the level of commenting hasn't changed? Cause I feel like it's more uh-huh. social, social, quote unquote, socially acceptable to tell like yeah. a little kid, Oh, are you sure you want to have that cookie? You're looking a little chubby yeah. or like some fuck, fucked up shit like that. Yeah. Because I think, I think especially parents uh, think that they're helping 
Mm. and saving their children. Mm -hmm. I think certainly that was the case with me. I think I definitely like people don't comment on my body anymore as an adult. I'm the one commenting on my own body because of the rules set in place as a child Mm -hmm. by the people around me. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think, um, and I don't know why, like, it just like, why would you say that to a child? Why would you, I don't understand why that is normalized. I really don't get it. Do you remember the first time you felt self-conscious about your body or do you, mm-hmm. and do you, slash do you remember um the first time someone commented on your body? Yeah. Slash um wait, I can't remember what I was going to say after that slash. Sorry. No, just, I'll just continue start with, with those that. two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if like this anecdote would be triggering to anyone but just trigger uh, warning warning, trigger warning um yeah first i recall this um i was sitting right there like (laughs) you're in your room i am in my living room um and there's a chair to my right and i was uh it was before school and we had uniforms and the uniform was like a polo just a polo t-shirt and my mom i like had put it on and How my, old were you for reference? I, I was probably uh, in fourth grade. You were a tiny little boy. I was a tiny little boy. Um, and my mom was like, she suggested that I put on a shirt underneath the polo. And I was like, why? <laughs> I've never done that before. Layers. Like, why would I layer? And she was <laughs> like, I think you'll be more comfortable that way. And I was insinuating. Like, and I was like, oh, I understand. I understand what this means. Did and you? Yeah. I think so. I think I did. I remember being at school either that day or that week. And it actually felt very uncomfortable. I was very hot. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> and are. I remember you live in Florida. I live in Florida. I remember it being very uncomfortable but i i felt like it was a rule felt like i had to do this because fat bodies couldn't be seen like normal like normal air quote normal bodies yeah should could um you felt more uncomfortable with that shirt on yeah it was not it was and stuff like that um my family encouraged me to wear um, shirts in the pool, um, mm-hmm. telling me that I'd get a sunburn if mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, which I mean, maybe that'd be true, but what it told me was that I was the only one in the pool with a shirt on, and everybody right. else didn't, and that didn't make sense to me. And the only thing that did make sense was because I was bigger than everybody else. Right. You're but, taking uh, these context clues. Yeah, and it's not ever. It wasn't. It wasn't always um, on the nose. It was all. It was always like taking context clues from these situations mm-hmm. and writing a rule book for myself based mm. on um, the way that people spoke about my body, and that's just kind of carried through for so many years. So, do you recall a time when you weren't self conscious about your body? Mm. No. Do you have a you don't have a memory of I that? I don't have a memory of ever feeling not self-conscious about my body ever in my life. 
And that's something that I think, okay, we talk about, I talk sometimes about thin privilege. Mm -hmm. I think part of thin privilege is being able to have a memory of before you were self-conscious about your body or, but for you, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you've never had that experience. Yeah, that is so true. And I think that paired with, um, like racking up the, 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 I think like no matter what body you're in, you're going to have um, uh, thoughts that aren't always great about the way that you look or feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more often than not uh, people in fat bodies are constantly reminded that they shouldn't be able to fit in quite literally. I mean, when I go and like try on clothes, it's always going to be, this probably isn't going to fit, but we might as well try just to see. This is okay. This is something else that I wanted to talk to you about because um, for those of you that know Grayson or that follow him on Instagram, you know, he is quite the fashionable person. He has his, no, you are, you're a fashion icon. Wow. But so talk about that. Um, and mm. what it's like, I don't know. I just fashion the world of fashion and clothes is yeah. not super inclusive. And I know we talk about brands that we love because they are inclusive, but like, could you talk a little bit about yeah, that? I, I haven't actually really thought. Uh, yeah, I, it is. Tr- it is true. I, I do love fashion. Um, <laughs> I would say I have a, I love, um, shopping vintage it's very easy to like find things that fit well and look cool um i think it's hard it's definitely hard for me to shop um like more traditional brands um that aren't necessarily totally size inclusive Mm. But, what are your favorite uh, size inclusive brands? Oh, it, and, oh, and finish yeah. your thought. I didn't mean to. No, I was kind of at the end of my thought. I, I hadn't really, um, I hadn't really thought about that before. Like the the ways in which I definitely feel not always comfortable in the clothes that I wear, which maybe is something mm. that people don't um, like think about um, me. But I, th- sh- I think like yeah, I like can look cool. <laughs> But a lot of the time, I I I feel restricted in the clothes that I wear. Um, but I think that's um, that's something that I'm aware of and and working on, and have talked to my therapist about. And <laughs> I think it's I think it's a lot. I think that it's also something in my own brain. Um, gosh, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. I think. I'm working on rewiring the feeling of the way that my clothes fit on me. Mm. And sometimes some days they might be the, my pants are going to be a little tighter or my overalls are going to fit a little more snug in my stomach. And um, in the past I've associated that with not being good. And um, I've been thinking more about why Mm. that is true. And leaning into the feeling of my clothes fitting me the way that they do and letting them be the way that they are in my body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like you're like, oh, I need to get – because for me, sometimes with my clothes, it's like, oh, this is really cute, but I 
like it it mm-hmm. physically doesn't feel good on and it brings up a lot of triggering thoughts so even if it's super cute i just have to get rid of it mm-hmm. do you get rid mm-hmm. of clothes for that reason yeah i think i get i get rid of clothes oh it's so hard to like when your body changes and there's clothing that you love that doesn't necessarily fit you yep. like it used to that's yep. a really emotional thing and um it has felt good for me to like let those clothes go. I think in the mm-hmm. past, I think in the past I used, especially in like high school and I guess early college as well, I would like hold on to shirts that didn't necessarily fit me. And I'd mm-hmm. think, well, this is something to work on. This is mm-hmm. something to work Ugh. towards, you know, isn't that the, the classic fit into your skinny jeans mm-hmm. from high, whatever the fuck that people say. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like the the when I lose X amount of pounds dress or exactly, and that that's something that has felt so good to like let that go. And I when I moved back home uh, like a month and a half ago, due to Miss Miss Rona, um, that's the coronavirus. <laughs> um, I got rid of a lot of my stuff that has been sitting in my room. From high school, from middle school, clothes that uh, were just sitting there that were a reminder of like a really terrible time for the way that I thought about myself. And getting rid of those felt so good. So now I'd like just have clothes that I know look good on me and and feel good on me um, and like feel fun to wear. Yeah. Um, which feels you're not torturing yourself with clothes that don't fit you. And then every time you put them on, you're like, being so mean to yourself because you're like, I used to be able to fit into these right. jeans X amount of months, years, whatever ago. Yeah. yeah. I I think for you, we actually I don't feel like we've really talked about this. Do you feel like fat like clothes and defining your style has given you confidence mm-hmm. in air like for example, I think when I was struggling, you know, when I was recovering from my disordered eating, I was like, oh, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to buy clothes that fit me and I'm going to make it look really good because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that I can, yeah. I can do. And like, you can look good at any size. You can wear Absolutely. cool clothes at any size. So I think that gives you a sense of like, definitely. It's a, yeah. It's a way to, um, when you dressed for yourself, you feel good. You can give yourself the validation and more often than not, like people are going to validate the way that you look. So it is a great way to um, receive validation for your body in ways that you may not have in the past. um, Yeah. I think. Right. Also, I think it's kind of like, fuck the system. I'm going to wear this. They say like only people that look like this can wear this, but like whatever, I'm going to wear a crop top. I don't really care. Exactly. And like letting, like, like letting your roles show, like not trying to hide letting the roles show your, your tummy um, is so important. I did want to get back to some brands that we like. Oh yeah. Um, Size inclusive brands. brands. You know, I, I work at Madewell and I love the brand and they, at least I can speak for the, the men's uh, sizes Um, is a, is a pretty inclusive. um, I, I think that there is always more work to be done. Like it really could be more, but yeah. um, 
I it's so rare that I find pants and jeans at a pretty mainstream brand that fit good and feel good to wear. And uh, Madewell uh, has that, which is great. And um, they have like great extended sizes, not for all of their items, which would be ideal and even more inclusive, but I think it's a great start. Mm -hmm. Um, We like Madewell. We both work at Madewell. We both work work at Madewell. We both work at Madewell. 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 (laughs) (laughs) They they do a good job on that for women too. Yeah. The sizes. Yeah. Um, Here's some other brands that have been doing the good work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both love Big Bud Press out of Los Angeles. Very size inclusive. And going to be even more size inclusive. They just put out this great statement um, about a week ago. They were kind of talking about like the work they've done in the past and um, they're going to extend their sizes more in like more products, I believe is my understanding, Um, which is awesome, which is so, so cool. And I DM them. I was like, this is so great. Thank you. Um, They're great. And then one that maybe we've talked about, but um, Tuesday of California also oh. LA based and it's the artist uh, Tuesday Basson um, who I've loved for a while, but she has a, a clothing company and she's an artist and has great work. Um, but that is also super size inclusive. Um, what kind of stuff do they, I don't think I really, her, about it. her clothing's like very um, retro. She has some, oh, love a retro. It's vibe. very, it's very um, mid century uh, sort of biker babe. Um, <laughs> it's very cool. It's very, very cool. I like her stuff a lot. Um, but it's sad that I can only think of like two brands off the top of my head that are like radically size inclusive. Right. And why Girlfriend. do I have to say ra- Girlfriend's great. Girlfriend's great. Well, and why do you have to say radical? radical. Like, come on. Because then it's like, why is this radical? This shouldn't be. Shouldn't be radical. Except like making clothes for people that are, um, the and and in fact most of america is you know yes size that's the, 14 uh, or larger what? so how is that radical when the majority of americans of people um and not because of i'm not even gonna go there i, mean, I was we gonna could say like, and not because of the obesity epidemic which i think is total bullshit well we can um, really go that <laughs> going deep and like talk about how this is just all about racism and classism but Mm -hmm. i mean that's another yeah but it is it is it's all about policing who wears your clothes and Mm -hmm. and feeding into sexism all of it feeding into the big chugga chugga choo choo train of capitalism i do feel like oftentimes we can talk about um, racism and sexism and all that, but I feel like sometimes people even have a hard time with fat phobia, like believing because people see it as a choice. choice. I was just about to say it's like you can't choose other things about yourself and your physical appearance, but you have control over over your weight and what, what you, you look like, which yeah. is just not true. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I don't. I feel like we talked about this, but. Yeah. Well, I, um, I'm not an expert. And if you want to hear from an expert, listen to, uh, 
food psych with Christy Harrison or read her book anti-diet because she actually is an expert on the subject. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, by saying that you have a choice, you're just ignoring so many different factors of a person's life. You're ignoring their genetics. You're ignoring um, the environment of which they live in. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, like that's it's it's not it's not black and white. It's not black and white, and so many people think it's black and white as a you just gotta work out and and cut your calories and and do this. And I did it. It's really not that hard. Which okay, you did it, but um, in pe- there's I was just reading it last night. It was like people that regain the weight after a diet. Most people regain weight after a quote unquote diet. And when I say diet, I mean, even like if you're like, oh, it's keto, it's a lifestyle change, I'm just eating all whole foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Majority of the people within the 95th percentile gain all that weight back. Yeah. Um, Because your body has a happy place. Totally. And most people's happy places aren't size two. Have you done whole 30? Have I have not. That I, I think it. you did it. Tell, talk a little. I, you <laughs> I told me when you were doing it, and I was like, okay, Grace. I know. Well, go for it. I know. Well, I think they. Oh God, I hate. Well, no. yeah. Talk about that. No, t- talk about it because I think it's important. So they they do a really what good were job. Your excuse for 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 going on it. They too? get they give you they give you excuses. Um, they tell you that it's for allergies. It's a good way to figure out what foods work well with your body and what doesn't, which is true. Like it is, a, it is, it's true. But also, you um, you lose you lose weight because you're not uh, you're not eating like sugars and carbs like at all like no, nothing mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. month. And which like, your body needs, by the way, which your body needs, and that like sold that like sold me on it because. I think at that time, this was something that I was starting to think about more really from knowing you and talking to you about this and, and your experience. And like, I was sort of coming to the conclusion that, um, like I didn't, I didn't want to like change my body, um, t- to look a certain way. I wanted to f- feel a certain way, mm-hmm. feel, I wanted to feel good. Um, can I have a question Yeah, in here? I just want to pose a question. Do you feel like you didn't feel a certain way mm-hmm. because your body wasn't what was societally like the ideal except, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that influenced how you physically felt or did you actually physically not feel good? I I don't really remember. I mean, I think it was like, well, wellness is so trendy and it's so trendy yes. to like want to oh, feel trendy. good. And Whole30 was like, oh, well, like, this is a great way to, like, feel good. And I knew in the back of my head, (laughs) you're going to lose weight when you do this. And that Mm -hmm. was, like, the little pearl in the oyster for me. But I told – I was like, that's not why you're doing this. That's not why you're doing Mm -hmm. this. And I told myself and told myself that until I believed it. And told other people that. And told other that. Other people that. that, Other that. Other that. (laughs) So that they believed it, too. And I, 
was so unbelievably miserable. <laughs> and now thinking back on it, I complained too damn much during that shit. <laughs> and I feel so terrible about, about it now. Um, and I got to day 26 or 27. Jesus. And um, you really did it. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was like in a car with friends coming back from like a gig singing and we were driving like four hours and like the only food was like fast food, but I, I couldn't eat it because of all 30. So I, um, they like got their food and came in the car and um, I was a so tired and B like, I wanted to cry <laughs> because I was so mad that I, I was restricting this food. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the breaking point four mm-hmm. days before I thought like, this is fucked that mm-hmm. I feel so upset by other people eating this food around me. And so I went, did you my- feel, feel personally offended or you were just like, no, no, it wasn't that it wasn't, like, you know that I can't eat this. Why are you eating this around me? Because I have had people say that to me. That That's, like, not right. I knew that that would be wrong. In my head, it was, like, I'm mad that, um, like, I'm doing this to myself, maybe. Mm, it made me mm-hmm. think about it and more you, critically. Like, uh, you knew this was going to, like. Yeah. Be, like, oh, God, the whole time. All I wanted was to go to Raising Cane's Chicken. That's all I wanted. I thought about it every single night. And that's what diets do to you. And that's what sta- diets you, do to you. Do you think about Raising Cane's any other time other no. than when you were on the diet? No, you're like no, having I, sexual fantasies about it Raising was, Cane's. I, oh, man. I, it was crazy. Warning sign. Something's wrong. Huge warning sign. So the next day I went and got some tacos and and told myself that it was okay that I didn't make it to 30 days. And I learned that something like this was not for me. And um, I, 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 when I was just for the record to prove a point earlier, I did lose weight during that time and I gained it back after. And mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, I don't, I don't remember like feeling bad about it. It just was what it was. Right. Your body just bounced back to the place where it's like, nope. Yeah. Literally, your body, like, you're like, can't sustain that. That's not realistic. No, no, no. Um. Yeah. If you start to obsess and that's, I, that's a huge warning sign. Um. I think that your relationship with food is disordered or, yeah. or I think probably most people who go on restrictive diets or even just in their heads say like oh i can only eat this when you start to like obsess about chocolate or Mm -hmm. whatever your food is mcdonald's anything the forbidden food like you know something's wrong like yeah could you um speak very briefly on the difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating yeah so i don't think there's like a huge distinction both deserve help um when i say eating disorder i mean like clinically diagnosed as anorexia bulimia um Mm -hmm. orthorexia like something like that where it's more clinical which i don't identify with because i felt like i just didn't um and i was never given that diagnosis so i like i say like I struggled with disordered eating. Yeah, disordered I eating, I mean, like, um, diet after diet. 
or obsessive exercise or just a really fucked up relationship with food, like counting calories to an extreme, like disordered eating to the point where like it's affecting your life, both affect your life. Um, And I, both can be severe. So I guess the only distinction is maybe clinical. That makes sense to me in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would argue to say the vast majority of people fall in some spectrum of disordered eating. Especially in the community that we went to school in. It was being musical theater. Musical theater, dancing, dancers. Um, It was normalized and uh, so normalized. Like praised. To the, mm -hmm. you know, like it was like, like if you were like struggling, like that, that was a good thing. Yeah. Well, it was like, um, I think it it was seen, it is, not was, it still is, it still is. seen as dedication. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. amazing willpower. Yeah. And um, like all of a sudden you're a health guru right. when you're just like 19 years old with a disordered eating. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, like how do you do it? It's like, yeah. and it's, and then- even if you come in to, let's say you've survived high school without having to deal with disordered eating, mm-hmm. fucked up diet culture, all of that. When you come into a musical theater program, I feel like I saw people that seemed had like to my eyes had a really healthy relationship with food. All of a sudden, like switch. I think because mm-hmm. of the culture. Yeah. Um, that is there where it is super praised to like be restrictive with food and to go on diet faculty that are um, encouraging it. And, and you have faculty that are praising people's weight loss. Um, oh man, that was, that was really, really what got me. Incredibly irresponsible. We had great professors, great teachers, but I think that's where some of that failed is it's mm-hmm. incredibly irresponsible to praise someone's weight loss when you, just in general. You it don't know like a, how they got there, and in a very I, public way, in a ve- in like in front of a More whole class, yeah. Um, like I just think number one, intentional weight loss is like I don't know. I probably have a controversial opinion where I don't think it's ever really good. Um, but yeah, it's so complicated. I see. I see so many. Um, and no, I think we should talk about it. It's interesting because I I have conflicted feelings about it. I think um I'm I I so wonder I understand like people I don't know. I, I don't understand like like posting like photos of, of your weight loss. Like before and after. Before and after think, photos like, are also incredibly irresponsible. And I, I super irresponsible. Uh, and I say I'm like always I'm like always gonna look like the before photo. Ex- okay, yes. You know? Yes. Okay, thank you. This is this is that's the I was like, I can't always. think of it. That's the that's the problem. You post these before and after photos. So your friends who are looking at this, they're like, Oh, I'm the before photo. So what does that say about me? Like if I'm your yeah. before. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's really irresponsible. It's really irresponsible. And to the point of like, I 
talking about school and musical theater programs because it wasn't just the one that we went to it's every Mm -mm. single one crazy yeah um and you know the people that are teaching us they also have been through the system of this industry they it's like almost like they don't know better but also we should know better like we should like now i think we should you know be having conversations about like you know but because then that enforces like to be successful in this industry you have to look a certain way because you're getting Mm -hmm. praised for like oh congratulations you look so good like how is depleting yourself of food and upset like going to the gym make you a better performer? In my mind, it made me a shitty performer because I had no fucking energy. And the only energy that I had was mm-hmm. spent thinking about when am I gonna go to the gym and like, God, I gotta make my overnight oats. Yeah, it's such a it's so it's so difficult to consider taking that system away because it is so strongly built up in this industry the idea that you have to look a certain way to be successful or to play the leading lady ingenue Mm -hmm. um i saw this interview with i'm not i don't know her name it's the woman that played the professor in harry potter who oh yeah digs out the little screaming rude babies oh yeah I don't know her name, but she's a famous British actress. And in the in the interview, she's like, well, I am never going to play the leading ladies because I'm not beautiful. I'm not beautiful and I'm fat and I, I can't play those roles because I can't be sexualized. And I th- – <laughs> it was so crazy to hear her say that because – She's not just like a, she a she's uh, speaking about the way she feels about herself, which um, is interesting to me. But two, like she's really speaking about the way that the industry is, um, it just is. Mm-hmm. Like those are the rules that are in place, and the the bias comes from um not being able to sexualize people in bigger bodies mm. as um like romantic leads. Mm-hmm. I will never play like your classic leading romantic man because the rule book says that I can't be sexualized like that. But like fat people fall in love and have sex. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, but that, then that's what, when you say like, oh, I will never play that. I hope that won't always be the case I, exactly. because, uh, and we have talked about this before. It's like, so you're only putting women in a certain body type on stage falling in love. You're only putting men in a certain body type on stage falling in love or on screen, whatever, yeah. streaming TV, all of that. So then you have a little kid who's not in the typical body. And, you know, their parents are putting them on a diet. They're, like, getting bullied at school. And so then they're like, oh, what? all of those things don't even have to be happening. But if you don't see yourself in that way, you're like, oh, right. it's, like, I I don't deserve to fall in love. Or, like, then you have problems exactly. with your own desirability and your own lovability. And like you said, people in larger bodies, they fall in love. They have sex. They have relationships. Yeah. But we're not shown that. 
And and like we we look for ourselves in the media. Mm-hmm. It is the besides real life, it is like the reflection of real life. And we want to see ourselves represented. We want to be able to relate to a story on screen and have empathy for it. And I certainly was never able to like picture myself in any romantic way um, like that. I never, I never related to any character on screen. The only people I could relate to were like, like bumbling old men, (laughs) (laughs) which funny enough are the only roles I've ever been cast in in college. Exactly. Exactly. Uh. And then bumbling old men or, um, it's for women I have seen it's like um yeah and men too like you get the Ursula you get the yeah. evil women you get the um or like in musicals like oh if you're a woman in a larger body the only role in Les Mis that you can play is Madame Thenardier or yep, yep, um yep. so like kind of like she's mad she's sexualized but in a really gross way Oh, yeah. Not in a dignified way. Not in a refined, dignified, like Audrey Hepburn way. No. Right. Right. Um, Or like in a sweet ingenue way. It's like gross and dirty and and grungy. And she's always overbearing and for like super forward and bold. And men are like, Mm -hmm. oh, scared. I hope, I hope, and I hope that. I think it's so important that there are people like us having these conversations about this because it has to, it just has to change because like, I want to see like a, like a larger woman playing Marion Peru, Mm -hmm. but it seems so impossible Mm -hmm. because we've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. So who's going to, who's going to take the first Mm -hmm. step to do it? And I think it's still, socially and very archaic but yet socially acceptable for um from what i have heard from other people for casting directors for agents for producers for teachers to tell um someone that they need to lose weight if they want to be successful whereas any other put that on any other thing and it's like that's really fucked up that you yeah, to be like a lawyer or something like right to be successful like you need to lose x so amount strange. of pounds to play if you want to i want to cast you in this role but before you can play this role i need you to lose x amount of pounds or i need you to school. do that it happened at our school and For, so like college oh, it's God. so it's really fucked up to me that that's okay for someone to say to another human being yeah. that like um what what's ethically that just doesn't even sound right but yet it like people accept that and they're like oh yeah that is what i have to do i am in control of this and then so what then they go and they lose that weight but then immediately after the show they gain it all back and they beat themselves up over it and people see like look at them as a quote-unquote failure because they couldn't maintain their little ingenue body because it's not fucking possible for them yeah i was i was talking to i didn't tell you the story but i was talking to a friend um who was working on broadway and she had a conversation with another actor in the show and about like um 
like losing weight for roles and like changing your body for roles. And my friend felt like um, if she could just do the show and get through it, like th- that's, that's the job. Like you don't have to like look a certain way, but the other actor felt like, well, this is what they would look like. So we have to look like the the performer, like, or the character. Like if the character is like thin and strong, like we have to look like that. So we have to change our body to look like that because that's the job. But apply it to anything else. It's like gender bending roles. It's like, well, absolutely. you know, so then how, how can you, how can you justify that and not the size thing? Right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. There's so many, I think there's so many conflicting thoughts and feelings about this, especially in theater, but just in general that it, it is so hard to talk about it and hard to gain, to get your own opinion because there are so many conflicting opinions when it, when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think even God, even like in, in dancers and, and seeing just in ensembles or like dance calls and God, yeah, like I would yeah. love, there are people in larger bodies that, are killer dancers and it's like oh my god i know so many they didn't get cast in that part versus the other person who was mediocre is because not that the other person didn't deserve it but you but like you know like so you know what i mean or like they're the token fat person like you have in mean girls like yeah token fat people who aren't even fat you know right right. like who are like still socially acceptable like but like kind of in a larger body but like kind of not um yeah exactly and then we can talk about it in the dating world too like how does that apply oh gosh as a as a queer identifying cisgender male um it's i think okay i think when it comes to queer men People forget that like hypermasculinity plays a very, very big role in the way that um, gay men see themselves and see each other. When we're taught that the ideal man is muscular and tight and fit and tall and has a thick head of hair and a chiseled chin we're working still, even even aside from uh, up, up, away from uh, heterosexual uh, normalized idea of what a man is. We're still we're still dealing with and grappling with the expectation to be hypermasculine. I think it's so com- it's so complicated, but I think in general that affects the way that um, queer men date and see each other it can be like my experience has been very tough i feel i think in in my like rule book like through college and and being in new york um i was so quick to write off certain people to um be with because it was like well i can't i i'm i'm bigger than them Mm. it doesn't why would i Mm -hmm. why would i be with that that's Mm -hmm. still something that i do and i have to catch myself doing um, and I think it really become it, it comes from um, an overall idolization of hypermasculine um, presentation. Yeah, 
when did you start like questioning these for this is going way back but when did you mm-hmm. start questioning these rules and stories that you had told yourself from growing up of like mm-hmm. do you remember when you started to like not accept them anymore or to maybe think like oh that might be wrong I don't know. I think it was, I think it always like felt a little wrong or not fair, felt unfair. Mm -hmm. But honestly, very, very recently, um, really when I started um, with my therapist, Allie, (laughs) <laughs> um, hey girl, I know you're not listening to this. <laughs> um, she, uh, we started thinking about the ways in which um, our parents let us down, no matter how good they were at raising us. And I think, like, that's kind of when when I when when I started to really think about it, um, and when I started to understand that I that that these rules weren't true. Like the world did not write these rules for me. Um, My parents did. Mm -hmm. My parents told me that this was how it was supposed to be. And um, I have, yeah, it was, it was like, I, so I I didn't choose to put these rules on myself, basically. Like I, I didn't put the rules on myself they're but added subconsciously the, to you. They're added subconsciously, but I have the power to erase them, mm-hmm. um, which feels so powerful and takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself catching it? Like, I know with my therapist and especially recovering uh, from my disordered eating, it's like notice the thought patterns when they come up because they are mm-hmm. just subconscious. It's like going through your day. It's like, oh, I can't eat that because that's bad. And then you actually hear that and it's like, wait, why is that bad? Why do I feel that way? Definitely. And it's still something I, I like still have those thoughts. I had that this morning. I think about it all the time, but I think the most powerful thing in dealing with those is not um, shaming yourself for having the thought, mm-hmm. just mm. letting them happen and working through them instead of getting frustrated that like, God, I, mean, I can't believe I'm still so pissed that I, you know, feel this way about myself. I'm so mad about this. I'm so this or that. For myself, I think I just have them mm-hmm. and understand that they're not going to be there forever. And um, I think it's a practice. And I think through time and practice, they happen less and less, at least for me. Yeah. Um, when you have bad body image days, cause we all do, even if yeah. you've done the work, um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's possible to nav- They they might not last as long and they might not last the entire day, um, or go on for weeks, but do you have anything that you do when you're feeling bad about, like you have a bad body image day? Is there <sighs> anything that you do? to help yourself work through it. And if there's not, and if you're just feeling it, that's okay too. Yeah. Honestly, I can't really think of anything that I do specifically. I certainly have, I think, 
maybe like distract isn't the right word, but I think I try and fill my time thinking about other things that are not that mm. something like creative mm. or, or even, or even kind of like I cook, I cook a lot and I bake a lot as you know, um, because I enjoy it and I enjoy food, but the action of cooking feels very peaceful and meditative. Meditative. Is that a word? <laughs> meditative yeah that's great i'd like yeah. the way that you first said it though meditative <laughs> i think we should say like meditative that. um to me and so like i'll i'll cook or i'll bake or i'll spend time doing something that feels good that isn't feeding into the little monster telling myself that my body is terrible mm-hmm. which isn't true mm-hmm. That's what I do. What do you do? I um something that I do like doing is I like like getting my nails done or like going yeah. to get a manicure. Mm. I found that coping mechanism um, within the last year that really helped because like after you get a manicure, you feel so fresh. You feel so like just. your nails always look so good. Yeah, and and I think. With that, it's like, okay, I'm not I'm not going to go into those coping mechanisms, like doing the things that I know will backfire on me. So I'm like, okay, I can control how my nails look. So I'm going to control mm-hmm. that and I'm going to treat myself and do that. Or if my clothes aren't triggering to me, which right now I have clothes that like really fit my body well, my current body well. Yeah. So I don't feel triggered by my clothes. I like maybe putting on a cute outfit and like finding good lighting and like taking, taking photos of myself. photos like, of yourself. Taking, I, let's talk about taking photos of yourself because this is something I think about a lot. It feels so good to um, look good in a photo mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should all be taking more photos of ourselves, whether like, Clothed, unclothed, Un- even unclothed, showing the rolls. No, no, no. I love like showing the rolls and like for yourself. seeing things that I might think are imp- yeah for yourself. And Absolutely. and and honestly, maybe maybe this sounds like woo woo, but like kind of seen as like artistic and like beautiful. No, it's true. It's not well boudoir. It's a boudoir shoot, darling. <laughs> it's a boudoir shoot. It's not nude. It's a boudoir shoot. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. It's true though. I mean, I famously take a lot of photos of myself because I like the clothes that I wear. Yes, <laughs> and I always I tend to post. Uh, well, in fact, I my parents are not here i'm living alone pretty much at my house and i know one robbed fall, him. Like, no one i'm not living alone <laughs> he's actually I'm not living alone actually have a really <laughs> big hound dog do people have, what is that i don't even know i just I think of know. elvis okay whatever anyway um i took my parents full-length mirror from their closet and put it in my living room so that i could take photos of myself in it because i don't have a full-length mirror and i at first i thought that was weird but then i thought you know what no, like I should be able to do this if I want to. Yes. And um I I I I love my clothes. I love I love my clothes. Let me talk too. about some things that I love to wear. Um my style has changed in the past uh eight months of being in quarantine. It's a little style is ever evolving, just like our my body. My style is always evolving, especially mine. But um it's a little more uh I'd 
You said it gas station chic. Maybe. <laughs> like the shirt that you're wearing. It's like a grandma would wear baking cookies with like weird yeah. turquoise shorts or something. But like you wearing them, it's like looks cool. Chic. I'm basically dressing really nice to go to like the gas station. That's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> I I rock my big bud press sweat shorts with a oversized graphic tee mm-hmm. and an assortment of uh dad hats from different artists that i like and to top it off which is a new um addition a white crocs what you heard it here white crocs white crocs everybody are should back. be getting crocs gen zers know white crocs are back gen z's know but we got to get on the train everyone else who is um 23 24 plus white crocs are back yeah. We need to we need to get on board because Gen Z is really they're surpassing us. They're too fucking cool for me. We're kind of Gen can't Z. Can't compete. Though. We're I at know, the end of it. I we're know. At the, do you it's identify a, more with? Because we're in between millennial and Gen Z. I what identify, do you identify more with, with the millennial. I I can't. I think Gen Zers are really cool. I just feel like my style. Like I, we have friends that I feel like are our age that like. We've talked about this. We've talked about that. Like, hit the Gen Z style so well. Uh-huh. I, however, don't. It's not yours. It's not. But my, that's great. That's okay. You always that's look okay. great, but it's not Gen Z. What do you? What do you? What do you think I am? Like, what do you think I identify with more? Because I don't even know. You're definitely more Gen Z than me, but also not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think uh-huh. you. I have a millennial air about me. Yeah. Yeah, but I can dress. I dress like a Gen Z. Yep, the Gen Z really nailed gas station chic. Yes, they really, Re- they really that. did. They really did, and they look so good. And so I would love to maybe rock that look, but um, mm-hmm. like with like the crop. Is it like a cropped hooded sweatshirt, like with like sweatpants and like? Yeah, that, it's very. You know what comfortable. I mean, it's like very comfortable, like very and like. Also, I don't and- give a fuck, but like I look cool. Yeah, I mean, to the people listening to this ten years from now, we're currently in the middle of <laughs> yeah, the COVID nineteen pandemic, and we're all at home mostly. Most of the time, we're at home, um, and I, we want to be comfortable. We don't want to be wearing denim jeans at home. We want to be comfy, cozy. Madewell, oh, you're wearing denim jeans. <laughs> Madewell put out this brand make of weekends make weekends longer. WL make weekends longer. And it's all sweatpants and sweatshirts. That's so comfy. Do you own any of that? Oh, yeah. I own the white half set. Yeah, nice. Yep. You know I what do. I'm talking about. I do. I spilled tea all over it, but I bleached it. It's oh, that's nice. Oh, you told me about when that oh, happened. Pissed. That's the oh, worst. Um, so, Grayson, very uh, important final question. Okay. What makes you feel fucking hot? Because you are. Thank you. Okay, I have to think. Uh, now I have to think about my answer. I we we talked about how I like the way that I dress. Um, I f- it's so it's so, and I'm sure a lot of people have a hard time validating themselves and and liking things about themselves. But I think what makes me feel very hot is fucking hot. Fucking hot <laughs> is I am a, I'm a talented person mm-hmm. i am i have multi-talents yes i i sing i act i cook bake i write songs and um 
I feel hot when I can do that stuff and like it. Yes. And like, and like, like the work that I do. That makes me feel fucking hot. I love that. And with my Michigan nice. accent, I'm going to say, you are so talented. <laughs> oh, God. Can you say, can you say longing? Longing. So, listeners, just pay attention. Say it one more time a little Longing. Slower. Longing. Longing. Actually, it kind of sounds normal. I'm working she on it. She has this weird thing with her voice. That's not nice of me to say. No, it. you would say it off off, reco- off the record. So, own up. Say it off the record. Say it. It's weird. She says, she says her ngs like, like just N. So, like, long, longing, long, longing. Longing, and we're gonna say longing as we as I fade out the audio. So longing, longing, long. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy? I think that's how it should end. <laughs> okay. Longing. Okay, Grayson. Well, thanks so much for. This was so great. Thank you for having me. me. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Okay, we'll talk soon. All right. Okay. We'll talk all right. Soon. Call me. Thanks for having me. We'll okay. Do. Bye.